Loyalty to Rangers is what binds us. And together, we are stronger. Launching for the 2021 season, the MyJers membership program is a new way to get even closer to the club you love. It's the one place where you can access benefits like ticketing priority, club discounts, and exclusive competitions and experiences. There's even a limited edition welcome gift when you join. Visit rangers.co.uk slash myjers to join today. Always Rangers, always loyal, always rewarded. Hi there, and welcome along to episode 89 of the JersNet Weekly Podcast, the totally free independent Rangers podcast made by the fans, for the fans, and as always, the content is absolutely free. Um, thank you for joining us here Sunday night. Uh, as always, it's not just the podcast that's free, but we've also got uh, all the articles, all the discussions that are going on over the website at www.jersnet.co.uk. Please do head over, take a look if you've not been there before, uh, where you can also find myself and tonight's two guests on the Friendly Discussion Forum as well. As a wee reminder, if you're not joining us live this evening, the podcast is, as always, available for download uh, or for stream after the live broadcast. And you can download that on uh, iTunes, Acast, YouTube, CastBox, Stitcher, and even on Spotify now. But if you are joining us live here on Sunday evening, then thank you very much for giving up your time today. Uh, If you want to leave us a comment or a question on YouTube, then please do, and we'll get to as many of those as we can. As always, uh, we've got two guests. My name is Ross Bennett, and I'll be your host for the evening. And joining me, we've got two of the the JazzNet finest. First up, we have uh, part-time host, part-time guest, and full-time friend, David Wren. David, how are you doing this evening? Um, That was a lovely introduction, Ross. Thank you. I'm okay. I'm okay. I had a few too many beers last night uh, on, on another Zoom call with my mate, so just nursing that hangover today, but generally okay. Um, getting used to this lockdown malarkey, um, so yeah, no, no complaints my end. So the last time we spoke, David, was probably about a month ago, and you said that Dundee was actually a fine place to be enjoying a lockdown. Has your, has your opinion changed over the last few weeks? I, I, I don't really know. It doesn't feel like I'm, I'm anywhere now. It just feels like my home... Is the only place I'm ever going to be. So, um, yeah, I mean, Dundee's okay. It's been fine. Uh, you just feel like you're going, on your daily exercise, you're going to all the same places because you just keep running into the same um, same areas. But it's okay. I don't think there's anywhere better to be at the moment. I think everyone's in the same boat. Aye, aye absolutely. Um, also joining us this evening is uh, Ian Duff. Ian, I think it's been a, a, a hell of a long time since you and I were last on a show together. Awesome. Probably no enough time to do, to do a full proper catch up. How have you been finding lockdown and the pandemic? How's it all treating you? It's like everybody else, really. It's just really weird, isn't it? It's just totally surreal when you stop and think about it and what's actually going on. You just uh, think, what what is this all about? What is this all about? Really weird. But yes, get on. You know, struggling by as everyone is. Did you um, did you decide to partake in the in the German football offering that's that's returned this weekend? I did. Um, uh, that was a, a weird one as well. It was. I mean, once the game started, you just kind of, I felt just sort of, just felt kind of normal, really. I mean, the only distraction was, I think they would be better off completely muting the the stadium sound altogether because that's the only thing that sort of put me off. The, the empty stands were one thing, but it was just the sort of shouting from the, the sidelines seemed to put you off a bit. But uh, no, it was, it, was, it was quite enjoyable, actually, I thought, for a Saturday afternoon. Yeah, it was quite enjoyed it. Good yeah, to see it back. It's nice to see it back. You see, I think I'm the opposite to you, is that I quite like the fact that I can hear the players shouting at each other, and I'm just waiting for a sort of 
an off the ball incident that then escalates into a proper Rami and you can hear everyone call each other a shite bag in German on the pitch. That's well, that would be quite good, actually. Yeah, but, that... uh, I've not decided who I'm supporting yet, but I saw that Greuter Firth were playing Hamburg today and they were wearing green and white hoops, so I know who I'm avoiding. Um, ah. Listen, Gents, the, the way that the shows have worked over the past few weeks is that obviously we've discussed a hell of a lot of the SPFL, of, uh, of Celtic's you know, being handed the title, it seems, on a silver platter and, and the kind of furore that's, that's befallen Scottish football over the past six weeks or so. Obviously, over the, over the, pa- the past week, there's been the, the EGM at the SPFL, the vote on the independent investigation. There's still plenty of stuff to cover ar- around that whole topic. Um, but today, thankfully, we've had some Pro Rangers good news as well, which is the announcement of the, the Castor kit deal. So I think it would it would only be fair that we start there and try and get some positivity back into the Rangers world. So what I'm going to do, first of all, uh, Ian, I'll, I'll come to you. Obviously, Rangers, it was probably the second best kept secret in football. The, the best kept secret in football is, is obviously over the other end of the city. But the second best kept secret in football was that Castor were going to be producing Rangers new kits. Um, and, and finally, that was announced today at nine o'clock on Twitter, although it was kind of pre-announced to a lot of Rangers fans' email inboxes about an hour and a half before. It's the first venture into football for Castor, although they've, they've kind of had offerings in general gym wear and, and sportswear before. Would you be happy with a Castor or would you have preferred a more established name, a Nike or a Reebok or someone like that? Well, I don't have any particular urge that we have to have, you know, a, a, an established brand. I think, you know, I know people like to see, you know, that they want to be the same as uh, as the big clubs, and and they think that if you don't have that, then it's you know somehow you're a, a lesser player. But I mean, the, what's important really, I think, is the deal and how how that benefits Rangers. And if that's, I've always said, I don't care who the manufacturer is, as long as it's a good deal for the club. So. On the, on the face of it, this one sounds like it's a good deal for the club and therefore it, it's going to be good. I mean, I, I suppose down the line we've got to, you know, there's there's always going to be potential issues. So we just need to hope that uh, that they can live up to their side of the, the bargain. Because I'm, I'm sure the Rangers fans will, you know, do their part. They'll be desperate to buy the, the products and, and it's up to Castor to, to be able to deliver it. So... I'm hoping that Rangers have got the, the guarantees in place that, the, that they will be able to fulfil their end of the bargain. You see, you, you kind of reference potential hiccups down the road and, you know, whether that's in the form of production, supply and demand or in the form of a, um, well, a, a fat Cockney bloke who's trying to sell a Geordie football team at the moment. We'll, we'll kind of get onto that in a moment. Uh, David, it seems to me that this deal has been kind of quite universally accepted by most Rangers fans who are happy to see us, you know, we're obviously broken free from Hummel and, and the headache that that's caused us over the past nine months or so. Um, but there's still a kind of fairly vocal minority who are crying out for a, a more recognised brand. Um, can you kind of understand that mentality from a section of the fans? Um, I'm still actually trying to work out how the one of the first sports manufacturers that came to your mind was Reebok. That's, that seems like a really niche niche mainstream sports manufacturer but um, the I, I sort of understand it to a point but a lot of the, I mean we've discussed it in the show quite a lot and I think you know Colin certainly has brought it up a few times as well I understand it to an extent <clears throat> but I think reading what I have done today you know about Castor and, and the plans they've got 
you know, I'm, I'm pretty positive about it. I think, you know, it is important that, you know, the badge is more important than the, the person that manufactures the, the strip, I think. Um, but certainly, I mean, money-wise, it seems like a good deal. And, you know, I, I said on the last show about, about this, but the fact that Andy Murray's one of our, someone that wears Kistel, that, that to me is a good positive because he's not, you know, he's not silly and he's also a, an investor in this company, which tells me, you know, Andy Murray's got a lot of good investments um, and seems to seems to be good with his money and what he does with it. And if he's investing in this company and he, he believes in it so much uh, and he's also wearing it, you know, as one of the most recognisable sports stars in, in the UK, you know, that's, that's, that's a green light for me. Um, one of the things that did strike me that I, I read an interview on the, the Athletic before we came on, um, and one of the one of the things that struck me about what the guy said was, you know, they will only be produced certainly next season for Rangers, which means you know they'll be paying special attention to exactly what um, they're producing for the club. So that's good, and he, he also made a point about you know. Club, uh, sorry, companies like Nike and, and Adidas, and how they tailor towards you know the big clubs like Real Madrid, Barcelona, and a lot of the a lot of the smaller clubs are are forgotten about, or certainly not. You know the ones below the the, the big Galactico clubs uh, are sometimes forgotten about, and I think you know that is the case. And I don't always think there's that you know attention to detail. Certainly, you know my old job when I was when I was down in Kilmarnock, you know nine times out of ten, especially with the the Nike strips, you know whatever one Kelly were wearing, you could probably go on the Nike website and buy, you know, a plain version of it because it was just off the rack. Um, so uh, reading reading what the what the, the owners of Kistor had to say suggests to me that, um, you know, this is going to be a good partnership for us and, and, you know, the kit will be of the best quality possible. And I think that's all you can ask really. And financially, it seemed like a good deal. Um, and let's just hope that, that everything's above board and, and we're not going to see a return from uh, from Mike Ashley. Before we move on, what's what's the problem with Reebok? Well, the last the last Do we even exist? No, the last football football strip I remember being Reebok was the one that Liverpool won the Champions League in two thousand and five. Is that not right? Well, to be honest, David, I'm I'm more of a Dolce and Gabbana guy, so <laughs> I don't I don't tend to be thought about sportswear brands. Um, um, Okay. No, carry on. I think we've I think we've said enough about Reebok. The one thing I would say about Castora is that they're obviously a, a, a relatively new brand, and they would really want to make a mark, and they want to get into football in a big way. So it's in as much in their interest to make a really good job of this uh, deal with us as as for Rangers to get a good uh, uh, benefit from it. So you would hope. That they will put everything into it, and, and you know, my only concern is that them being a smaller company, I suppose, is that they overstretch themselves one way or the other. So you know, we have to just hope that that's that's something that's been factored in, and and that they've got the, the money to to back up what they're what they're planning and doing as well. I wouldn't like to see them, um, you know, with it being a fairly small startup company or not startup, but fairly fairly youthful company. That they uh, they don't have the resources to back them up. You would think that going into this deal, they must have that in place. But you know, we've seen things happen before. Well, that's I think that's a very important point, and that's what you know, particularly the the Nike Adidas brigade of, of fans that are that are upset about this deal are saying, well, uh, they, you know, Hummel couldn't 
couldn't meet the demand in the first couple of months and there was huge delays on everyone getting their strips and Castor will just be the same. Um, and, and that's, I think that is a legitimate concern, um, particularly if you want to go down the Celtic fan investigation route of looking up the warehouses and looking up the registered office on Google Maps and that kind of thing, then fine, you, you might come to that conclusion that they'll struggle to have that, um, the ability to, you know, to meet the demand that's, that Rangers fans are undoubtedly going to supply because, you know, as, as one of the co-founders of the company said on, uh, on his interview with James Fisgrove this morning was, you know, back in the 1990s, Rangers were the biggest selling football strip in the UK above Man United, above Arsenal, above Celtic, of course. Um, but I think you're absolutely right, Ian, that they will not enter into this without having the, the resources and the capability to fulfil the demands. And I think they're in a fairly fortunate position because they can see the likes of Hummel and they can see the mistakes that they've made and Rangers can kind of feed in and, and give them that education. And the guy actually, if anyone's not seen that interview where, you know, it was, it was him and, and uh, James Bisgrove, the commercial director at Rangers, being interviewed this morning uh, via video link, he's saying all the right things that, as you say, Ian, they want to make themselves a global leader in football kit manufacturing and, and sportswear. They want to disrupt the market, which is dominated by American and German brands, and that they were looking for one key partner. So they're not, you know, Humble's downfall in a lot of ways was the fact that they service like 25 other clubs who, you know, perhaps aren't massive in the UK, but certainly in, in other countries in Denmark, they, they produce kits for the biggest clubs, um, a number of big clubs across Europe have their kits produced by Hummel and that was part of their downfall was that they couldn't cope not just with the Rangers demand but the demand spread everywhere so Castor have done this in quite a clever way that they're picking one key partner it boosts their visibility because of the number that they'll shift um, and if they can fulfill that and, and produce to a high quality then it, it it all sounds pretty positive. David how about yourself do you have concerns around the fulfillment of the, the you know the demand side of things and, and that production chain? It was something that crossed my mind, but <clears throat> again, after after reading the, the thoughts of the, the owner, you know, they, they've been preparing for 12 months for this, you know, moving into football and producing new prototypes for, you know, fabrics and all that kind of thing. Um, so it seemed that, oh, listen, we can only take it at face value what, what they're saying as a company. And from what I've seen, there's been nothing to suggest, you know, um, anything negative at the moment I thought I'm quite satisfied that they're they're in the right position and, and you know what what they're also trying to do is Rangers will be the first the first club and then they'll look at you know a Premier League club down south um, and then I think a, a club in Portugal and that's that's the way they've set their, their map you know in football and <clears throat> that's you know that is the difference between Hummel and um, Castor for me is Hummel were probably a company which were really successful in terms of football for a few years, you know, 20, 30 years ago, World Cups and et cetera. Um, and they were they're sort of coming back now and, and they're, you know, becoming a bit more mainstream again. Um, difference with that and Castor. Castor are, a, you know, a startup essentially. Um, and we're the first club who will benefit from their enthusiasm and you know designs and I think that's that's exciting for for Rangers as a club you know to be chosen as that you know first club to to venture into football with I think that's that's got to be a positive thing um, and I think again financially it, it seems to be 
positive. And um, yeah, I'm, there may be teething issues, but I think I think the company have, have prepared well, certainly from reading reading about it. Um, and I don't think they'd be coming at this, you know, with any naivety. I think they'll be they'll be well prepared for for dealing with what's about to come. I think the other thing as well is, I mean, if you just look around the world at the moment, we're in strange times, so there, there could quite easily be issues about supply that are not necessarily issues to do with the company. They're just general issues that everyone's having in, uh, in the manufacturing sector. So, you know, if things go uh, less than smoothly at the outset, I just hope that everyone doesn't just go berserk can do the usual uh, overreaction because perhaps it's not necessarily the fact that it's this uh, particular company it's just that there will be issues you know and, and we just have to to deal with it and even if there are issues relating to them then you know if they deal with them properly because we've had issues with going back 20 30 years with, with strips for various various reasons things going wrong with them so these things happen and you know it doesn't mean to say that it's anything wrong with the deal or the the company we've teamed up with it just means that things sometimes things go wrong so um so yeah well hopefully there won't be an overreaction and then that's probably a naive thought but <laughs> there you go yeah i think i think that's a very good point though actually that you know it's, it's a slightly unique time for for something like this to be launched and it does place you know, large demand on even the basic infrastructure like postal services to get your kits to you or get your kits from the warehouse to the distribution centres or, or whatever it might be. Um, maybe in that regard, they're being a wee bit clever and that they're going to be launching this to my Jairs members first. Um, obviously, a quite a shrewd move from the club as well so that people will rush out and pay 50 quid for a my Jairs membership so they can be the first ones to have the tops. It's, it's all business at the end of the day and the club needs to be making money at a time like this. I think, you know, what we're kind of all saying is that the guys are saying the right things that they've thought about this, that they want, you know, even things like they're saying they're a luxury brand, they're a high quality premium brand. So they will be making the strips from a finer quality of material, but you know, they realize that pricing is an emotive issue in football merchandise. So the price won't vary from, from standard. So they're saying all the right things. And, you know, just before we came on air, we were having a wee chat about the Mike Ashley question. So the fact that everyone sort of seems to be dancing around quite subtly the Mike Ashley issue and we're talking about how every piece of merchandise sold will directly profit and benefit Rangers and uh, it's the most lucrative deal we've entered into for a number of years plus the fact that Castor are going to be doing up, you know, have invested to do up the Rangers megastore at Ibrooks. All of this suggests that a certain Mike Ashley is, is out of the picture. Ian, do you sort of take these signals the same way as me? And, and if so, what could that mean for the, the commercial viability of the club going forward if he's really gone? Well, I mean, all the evidence would point towards it being the case. I mean, I, you know, I think we also were discussing how you can't really second guess anything that Mike Ashley might do. You don't know, you know, whether he might just pop up again uh, when he's least expected. Having said that, you know, everything sounds fairly fairly positive on that front and I think it's vital you know that the sports director out of the picture not just commercially but just as for the, for the message it sends that you know it's almost the last sort of remnant of the the, the last uh, sort of eight or nine years that we can finally draw a line under it and you know move on because that's that's always been sort of hanging around in the background of um as the one sort of last thing that we really needed to 
to, to rid ourselves of. So if if he is gone, and it sounds like he might be, or he, he it sounds like he probably is, then that's that's really good news commercially, obviously, because it means that the money's going into to Rangers, but but more just for the the very fact that he's out of the picture and uh, you know he's been one of the, the biggest drains on the on the club and and one of the things that's uh, really dragged us down uh, over the over the years. So uh, fingers crossed, but it does sound that way. It, it certainly does, and you're right that he's been a drain on on Rangers in terms of finances, in terms of manpower, just to just to deal with this guy through courts. Um, if he really is gone, then then fantastic. But I noticed that the club isn't kind of directly addressing that, and and it was similar two years ago with with Hummel. We all sort of thought he was out of the picture, and then a couple of weeks down the line, we're back in court because he's matched bids and and all sorts. So it's it's always a difficult question. I understand why the club isn't isn't coming out and saying, right, this is how much money we're getting from the sale of each strip. Sports directors out of the equation and, and, and away we go. Um, David, do you think that that could have a potential knock-on impact in terms of sales figures? Do you think if the club was to come out and unequivocally say there is no more influence from Mike Ashley, would that drive up sales even further? Or do you think by this point the fans are willing now to part with their cash and, and buy these strips regardless of Mike Ashley's influence? Well, I've seen, <clears throat> there's been no real, you know, suggestion that, that fans uh, believe he is still, you know, in action. I've not seen a great deal of that. So I don't think it would have a major effect on on the actual sales of, uh, of strips. But as you say, it's slightly worrying that, um, you know, there hasn't been a, a complete, you know, uh, indication that he is definitely gone because it has been such a black cloud over the club for, for so many years. But, you know, if there, there must be some form of, um, you know, legal issue there. Or, you know, I think they're maybe trying to avoid what happened with the, with the Hummel fiasco as well. And I think it's just been such a long road where we've thought we've won or, or whatever or got rid of him. And then he's just he's managed to, to come back and it's, it's ended up costing the club a lot of money. So I think they'd really want to get their ducks in a row before making any, any real statements on it. I tell you, the, the one thing that worries me slightly about it is that I think I'm right in saying he's he's very, very close to selling Newcastle now. So he's, he's the kind of guy who will turn up for a fight just because he wants a fight. And if he's now no longer got Newcastle on his hands, he's, he's certainly got a wee bit more time to be playing with. And, and maybe he just fancies being more of an arsehole to Rangers Football Club. I hope not. That's all the signs are pointing to this kind of being the end of the road for Ashley at, at Rangers. So um, certainly fingers crossed that that's, that's where we are. David, last last question on, on the Castor deal. Obviously, we, we don't know the strip look or anything at this point. We know that there's going to be, uh, for, from what they said this morning, a lot of you know limited edition stuff, a lot of training gear produced, um, a lot of special merchandise for the fans to wear, but also uh, bespoke and, and kind of differentiated kits for the women's team, for the youth teams. So it seems we're getting a very, very comprehensive package. And some of the figures that we're seeing banded around something like twenty-five million pound deal over the next five years. It certainly seems very um, well commercially appetising. Let's say to a club that struggled for you know revenue generation. How impressed have you been with the work that's been done by James Bisgrove, the commercial director, who's set up 
links obviously now with Castor in terms of a very profitable sponsor, uh, Rita kit manufacturing deal, sorry, but also the club, the links that he's set up with other clubs uh, globally, certain other commercial partners that he's brought in. It seems like he's he's doing a good job. How do you kind of mark his report card a, a year into his tenure? Yeah, I think he's done well. I think the, we've needed someone like that for, for a long time. Um because we've we've sold ourselves painfully short over the past few years in terms of sponsorship um kit deals obviously and just the overall you know feeling around the around the club in terms of you know the amount of money we're making from things other than you know ticket sales. So yeah, I think you know that's another example of thinking outside the box and and that's what we need. We need someone that's that's not just gonna go with what you know, a safe option. Um, and I think he's shown, obviously, well, especially with this Castor deal, that, you know, he, he can think outside the box and, um, you know, with someone like that at the helm. And hopefully, hopefully a year from now, we'll see the same thing about the new new press guy as well um, and the, the difference that he's made. I think it's just out off the pitch has needed a, a big overhaul. Um the past few years, and I think there's been a few people in the wrong positions. Um, and hopefully, you know, Bizgrove has done a good job by all accounts so far. Um, you know, we'll find out soon who the who the, who the new press guy gets on. Um, but yeah, the signs are, are that we're moving forward off the pitch, and that can only be seen as a as a positive thing. Certainly, and you know, you can make an argument that actually some of the most important signings that have been made by Rangers have been off the pitch positions. So I think it's a really good example with the, the PR guy as well, the communications over probably the most testing period for Rangers in, in the last, you know, half dozen years um, with the whole SPFL fiasco, the communications have been spot on for most of the fans. So I think he's, he's proved himself with a bit of a baptism of fire there. I'm going to slightly, you know, throw you in at the deep end, David, Obviously, we've, we've shaped up on the commercial side and on the communications side. And you mentioned there may be a few positions that needed to change at Rangers behind the scenes. Can you think of any more areas now that we need to be tightening up off the pitch? I do wonder about, you know, a chief executive coming in. You know, we've obviously got Stuart Robertson as managing director. I'm just not sure long term he is perhaps uh, going to be the best man for the job. I think he's done a good job. But I think moving forward... In terms of that role, I think we need we possibly need someone that's just got a bigger reach and a more sort of I don't know someone that's just maybe a wee bit more savvy. I think there's a place for Stuart Robertson at the club, 100. And I think he, he genuinely has been a good um, a good ambassador for Rangers. Uh, I think we could do with someone, you know, just just having that bit more nose in that in that sort of role. I think it's important. You know, you see the way. The way other clubs, um, chief executives, and and things like that operate, and I think we just need someone at a more elite level, perhaps. But that's that's maybe one for for medium to long term, I think. But certainly, from my point of view, I think that that role itself could perhaps benefit from someone who is maybe more experienced in a, in a proper chief executive role. Um, I know we've discussed it in the past, but. That's nothing really against Stuart Robertson. I think, you know, as I say, I don't, I don't see that being an immediate thing. But yeah, I think, I think in terms of executives at the club, maybe we could do a bit more experience and, and sort of know how at that at that level. I don't think that's an, an unfair comment at all. Um, 
but but like you i'm kind of i'm very very happy to see the progress that's being made in sort of key key positions you know i think back to how crippled this club has been um on the commercial side thanks to deals signed by folk like brian stockbridge and and the lasting impact and legacy that that's had so to see all that getting tidied up is is very very welcome indeed right i think we've probably spent enough time talking about castor and and, and the new kits which is difficult because we've not even seen what these kits look like and, and obviously we're placing a lot of faith in them um of course this week again has been another tough week to be a rangers fan in terms of the off the park shenanigans around the spfl and, and the kind of haunted hallways of Hamden. Um, Ian, we're at the point now where back on Tuesday we had the EGM that was called by Rangers on the basis of you know looking for an independent investigation into the handling of the votes to tie up the lower league seasons and then pave the way for the, SP, uh, the SPFL Premiership to be called early as well. Obviously Rangers failed to secure enough uh, votes to force that independent investigation. There was a qualified majority that they would need. Um, and it was spun as Rangers failed to meet their target. Rangers didn't get it over the line. Rangers didn't do enough. It failed as a, it, was, it was kind of phrased as a bit of a defeat for Rangers. From your perspective, was Tuesday a failure for the club? Well, I mean, I suppose in the sense that they didn't get what they were wanting to get through across the line, then I suppose you could treat it as a failure. But I don't think anyone really realistically thought that that was going to happen in the first place. I mean, I don't think there was ever any chance that, was it 75% or something like that that they had to to get? Whatever the whatever the majority was that they had to get, I don't think there was ever any chance of that happening. Um, the, I mean, the figures, you know, I think if you sort of analyse them, sort of, uh, they're a little bit closer than you would look at in the first instance, given that six of the... the, the the uh, no voters were uh, on the SPFL board, so you know they're obviously going to uh, vote the way they voted. Um, so I mean, I think it was this was probably more of a, a shot across the bows, perhaps in some ways that they, you know, and it's a, a longer a longer game that Rangers are having to play here. Rather, if 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 they want genuine regime change at the SPFL, then it was never going to happen overnight. You know, that, that was never going to be the case. Uh, I think what has got to happen now from the, the Rangers' perspective is, and it was maybe touched on this a moment ago, is they have to be more savvy in terms of how they work in, politically with a small P uh, and try and get more of the clubs in the, uh, in the, the league set up on their side. Um, and that's got to be done probably behind the scenes rather than uh, through the pages of the newspapers. But, you know, I, th I think, uh, yeah, yeah, it was a failure because they didn't get what they wanted to achieve, but I don't think anyone really expected it. So it's all a question that this is maybe the first sort of stage in what is going to be a slightly longer, uh, a slightly longer fight, really, I think. Um, and we'll have to see how that develops in, in the coming weeks and months that's that's quite an interesting point you make there ian about you know trying to turn other clubs to to rangers point of view i mean practically speaking how do you think that they can they can manage to do that when essentially they're they're trying to convince clubs to rail against the establishment and and the establishment has already proven that they're willing to deceive and lie to member clubs 
you know, as regards, you won't get your money unless you you tow the party line. And obviously sat behind that, you've got Lawwell orchestrating the whole thing. How How is it that Rangers can actually entice these clubs on side? Well, it's about shining a light on it, isn't it, really, more than anything? Because, uh, you know, the clubs are obviously in the, in the short term probably going to take what's uh, on offer for them. Um, but the very fact that this whole thing's been exposed the way it has... Uh, and sort of showing the machinations that are going on. Uh, it's going to be, for some of these clubs, I'm sure, a bit of an eye-opener, to be honest. I think maybe some of them just sort of go along with it and uh, and just uh, quite happy with the way things are, are going. But they might then, having seen what's happened and, and seen how it's, it's played out, start thinking twice. Next time uh, a situation arises where they might start thinking, well, you know, what, what's the motivation here for this? What, why, why is this happening? And at that point, you know, they may think back to, to what was going on before and, and, and start uh, thinking that, uh, that perhaps they shouldn't just be quite so, so blind in their, their faith and, and their, their leaders. Um, but, at the same time, you know, it has to be, you know, in, in years, and understandably, Rangers have been quite abrasive in, in the, the way they've been dealing with other clubs. And a lot of that relates back to the way Rangers were treated by the, the other clubs uh, uh, in the last decade. So, you know, I think while the sort of motivation is there to stick it up them in some ways, you know, we have to be cleverer than that and we have to start sort of making alliances and start... Uh, talking to these uh, other clubs that um, perhaps uh, that we wouldn't have done in the past, um, you know, and I think teams like uh, clubs like Aberdeen, you know, they're probably they're probably the third biggest club in Scotland, I suppose, uh, and you know, they voted alongside Rangers. So if you look at the you know the teams that voted Rangers way. They take up a large percentage of the the, the supporters in, in Scotland. So, you know, we're not 100 miles behind in, in that sense. No, you're, you're absolutely right. And it's, in a way, it's kind of frustrating or it's maybe it's a wee bit of a shame that, that Rangers come all the way up through from League Two back up to the Premier League. And we, we didn't obviously manage to form these alliances in a strong enough way, obviously with some clubs that, you know, that bond is there and, and we did manage to shine the light and get, get certain clubs on side, but maybe there's a, a slight opportunity missed. Of course, the, the club was in such a terrible state whilst we were going through the majority of that journey that um, the charlatans behind the scenes probably weren't too focused on on making friendships for the benefit of the game. I don't think they were interested, were they? I mean, they, you know, they, they had no interest in, in, in making those alliances at all, you know, so they, they weren't thinking about the bigger picture because, you know, the bigger picture didn't interest them, so... Um, yeah, so that yeah, you're right. I completely missed opportunity. You know, we sh- we should be. I mean, because of Rangers, a lot of these clubs are still in existence, probably because you know the money that went into to the clubs through Rangers uh, fans going to their, their grounds and buying tickets and, and all the rest of it uh, probably kept a lot of them in business or kept them able to uh, survive when. And, and spend money that they, they wouldn't otherwise have been able to do. So they should, they should, in theory, be really grateful to Rangers as a club and, and a fan base. So you know, there, there's clearly a clearly a missed opportunity there. But. Certainly is. Um, David, we're in a position now where 
you know, it's widely reported in the media, actually, it looked like the title was handed to Celtic uh, back on Friday. We're now being told that the title will be handed to Celtic in the coming days this week. Um, it looks like it's a, a, an absolute formality now. Um, it, to me, this is embarrassing for the SPFL who are saying we have to call the league now. You know, we have to get this over and done with. There's no chance of us playing football again anytime soon and restarting the season. It's embarrassing for them to say that the same weekend that the German football has just played an entire calendar of games. Um, but hey-ho, that's where we are. Why are the SPFL in such a hurry to declare Celtic the winners of the 2019-2020 season when surely there is logic in waiting and trying to restart the season? I think that's, you know, a million-dollar question in many ways. And <clears throat> whether we actually get any clarity on, you know, what's actually gone on over the past, you know, couple of months, um, you know, I, I very much doubt we'll, we'll get that. Uh, I mean, the thing about Celtic being given the title has sort of become like a, it was very much a byproduct of weeks and weeks of arguments and fights. Uh, and now it's, it's, it's probably going to happen. I mean, to me, it's, you know, it is what it is. If, if you know, no one could have, no one could have predicted what's, what's happened and, um, you know, they were they were the runaway leaders, there's, there's no denying that. But yeah, it does, it does seem quite strange that there's so many mixed messages coming out, because I'm sure the chairman of the SPFL said uh, through the week that, you know, we had to do everything we could to, to finish the season. So, um, I don't really know what, who's who's running things in there. Well, I, I think we all have our suspicions, but, you know, even the communication communications aspect of it, I mean, they're just all shooting from the hip. You know, everyone's saying different things uh, on that SPFO, SPFO board. So it's, it's really hard to keep up with it all. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, it felt like a formality that that was going to happen as soon as uh, this all kicked off uh, in the first place. So it's no surprise to me. It's, do I agree with it? No, but, you know, there's not much you can do, especially when, you know, the Rangers of even even it was, it was evident the other day, you know, uh, the EGM and the votes that the way the voting had gone. So we don't have the majority of people in our in our favour at the moment, unfortunately, um, and and that's disappointing. But you know, I think we're just going to have to accept that this board, the, the SPFL, are going to make certain decisions, unfortunately. And um, you know, whether we agree with it or not. You know, inconsequential at this 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 stage. It's just it's such a curious thing, you know, when when German football, one of the elite leagues in world football, is able to start up again. And actually, we'll, we'll come on in a few minutes, we'll sort of discuss the rights and the wrongs of that. But German football, French football, heading back towards training. Uh, sorry, not French. Um, Spanish football back in training. Um, English football looking at this whole project restart stuff. Leagues are making moves to get themselves underway again obviously in a safe and secure manner and like I say we can we can debate the merits of that as we go but for the SPFL to be in such a hurry such a, a concrete we have to call this now you have to get the vote done now I know that I know you're meant to have 25 days to give us your vote but you have to give us your vote by Friday and and to get it all wrapped up and hand the title to Celtic who were going to win the league anyway that's that's the curious thing I, I said it last week on the show, I'm saying it again this week, I don't understand why Celtic are not pushing as hard as possible to get the season restarted. Win it on the park and there will be 
no asterisk, there will be no questions, and you'll have deserved to have won it. Why would you push so hard to be awarded it when you could win it outright? It doesn't make sense to me, but um, that's that's where we are. Ian, you kind of alluded earlier to um, building allegiances and alliances with with other clubs. If you were in charge of Rangers now, you know the um, the the dossier was presented. The EGM was held, and, and we don't have the votes for the investigation. What what would be your next move? Um, we have a lot of fans talking about taking this the judicial route, taking it to UEFA, um, taking it to the Court of Arbitration for Sport. You have a lot of fans pushing to kick your feet and stomp and try and get a move to England. What would you do if you were in charge of the club? Well, oh, there's a question. <laughs> um, I mean, to be honest, you would have to say, I mean, I don't know what the the legal options that would be open to Rangers would be and how ultimately how successful they would be likely to be. The danger, I would say, is that Rangers are going to look, potentially are going to be painted as the bad guys. I mean, we already have been. There's already been plenty of people saying, you know, you know, you know all this, this the... the reaction from Rangers has uh, put uh, clubs at risk and could have you know, put funding at risk, etc. Unless you're 100% certain that you're going to succeed and and who is ever 100% certain in these cases, then I, I don't see how they can go down that line uh, of taking it any further, whether, whether, whether UEFA would want to step in or not, I don't know, but I mean, you know, I haven't seen any suggestion that they would, and I haven't seen any suggestion that they would step in in other leagues where uh, similar decisions have been taken. So, you know, while the whole situation just sticks in the throat, it's, you know, I, I, I'm, I think Rangers' options at the moment are limited. It's a longer term game they've got to play, really. They, you know, in some extent, they've just got to say, you know, you know, what's done is done, uh, and and let's see how we can make sure that in the future, if the situation was somehow to arise again or something similar, then it wouldn't pan out the same way. But I I, I think I think digging in and you know getting embroiled in what potentially could be quite expensive and potentially quite damaging uh, legal action or. Uh, complaints I don't know if that's the right way to go to be honest I mean I don't know I mean that, that's that's really that's how I feel about it David how about yourself what, what would you do what, what's your take on the potential legal routes I don't <laughs> I mean I think you can sum up the best way it possibly could I, I, I really don't know what's what's what the next steps are I think it's quite difficult and it that vote on um that vote the other day did stick in my crawl wee bit. It's just quite frustrating. It feels a bit sort of desperate at the moment. Um, and you just feel like even, even with a absolute cock-up like that SPFL vote, you still can't get any, you know, investigation into how it happened, what what conversations took place between clubs during that, that period. Why, you know, because I, I keep saying it, you know, Rangers were, were the ones pushing for the investigation, but what about Hearts? You know, Partick Thistle. Um, you know, they're still they're staring down the barrel of a gun at the moment, all because of this. You know, this vote, which 
in many in many ways was was extremely dodgy and we covered it well in this in this podcast uh, in recent weeks but you know it did feel just a bit you know um depressing the other day when you know you realized that no we weren't we weren't actually going to have any independent investigation the only investigation into the full process was one that was carried out by the spfl themselves who said oh surprise surprise there was nothing wrong um that's a concern for me and i hope i hope over the next few months um we get some form of clarity on on exactly what's going on at spfl at the moment to some, to some extent i mean the bigger picture, this is something that Rangers uh, are, are, you know, pushing heavily because they feel that the, the SPFL is uh, is not fit for purpose. On the very specific issues about what's been happening, you know, it's not really Rangers' fight in some ways. You know, the the, the people that are, you know, and obviously the league title uh, is is a, is a stake in some ways, but. The, the clubs that are going to really be affected are the ones that you just mentioned, the, the Hearts, the Partick Thistle. It's their fight, and you know they they should be the ones. If anyone is going to be taking it further in, in terms of stopping stopping the process happening, it should be down to them. Partick Thistle were were very uh, bullish initially, and in, in saying that they had legal advice and uh, that, that they felt that they had. Uh, ways that they could stop it and then they backtracked on that partly because they said they didn't want to uh, have a negative impact on other clubs but also you, you wonder what discussions might have been happening behind the scenes that, that made them think well maybe if we just keep quiet then uh, a bit of league reconstruction will happen and, uh, and we'll be fine um, but you know, they, they're you know they're the ones that are directly going to be affected by it. So you know, while it's uh, you know it's annoying for Rangers and and we are as Rangers fans angry with the way things have panned out, I would have thought that the club, the fans of these other clubs, should be the ones that are really angry about it and should be really pushing to see what can be done to to stop it. But I mean, I don't I don't know if they've got the resources or the the will to do it or or, or what. But uh, but you know, the, the onus should be really on them on this very specific issue. I think the question of resources is probably an important point there and, and also the question of profile. You know, if if Partick Thistle wanted to, or, or say Stranraer, for example, Stranraer get relegated from League One down to League Two, if Stranraer want to, you know, kind of lead this charge of taking down the SPFL with an independent investigation or take it to court, they're not making Sky Sports News, they're not making the BBC. You know, Rangers have the profile to have some weight and some significance in this, so... I think if it if it hadn't been Rangers, it was nobody, um, and and that's the frustrating thing is that even though we we don't really stand to gain anything other than, you know, the gains that everyone would make in terms of fair, impartial, clarity, and and just proper governance of our game, we didn't. It's not like we were saying, "Don't give them the title, give it to us." We yeah, just, exactly. It's it's just a case of let's clean up this mess, um, and yet still clubs would rather have the mess or clubs are told they'd rather have the mess because that's the only way they can get their money. That's that's the really, really difficult part to swallow. Um, now, Ian, the SPFL over the last week or since Tuesday anyway have kind of, to me, it looks like they've been maybe sort of trying to extend a bit of an olive branch to Rangers saying, you know, look, we need to come together. We need to work together for the benefit of the Scottish game. 
what kind of working relationship, if this is the end of the line for this whole saga, Celtic get awarded the title and we just kick off a new season whenever we can, um, what kind of working relationship can we have with the SPFL going forward? Well, I mean, on the surface of it, I don't think they can have much of a working relationship at all. I mean, you know, I think it's gone beyond the stage of uh, of all of branches. I mean, Rangers have uh, effectively, not directly, but have effectively called into question the, uh, well, not, not so much called into question the, the, the governance of the league. They've, they've definitely uh, questioned that. But, uh, you know, there's been suggestions of... Uh, dodgy goings on and I don't see how the SPFL could uh, sort of work with that, vice versa, the way the SPFL in uh, Doncaster in particular has uh, has responded and, uh, and the chairman, um, they have basically uh, burned bridges as well. So, I mean, I, you know, I think there's a, a basic breakdown in, in the whole uh, relationship. Um, you know, they've obviously got to have to work together in, in, in the sort of basic sense of just getting on with uh, playing games and, and uh, etc. But, you know, I don't think there's much uh, much chance of them working closely and uh, having any friendly chin wags. Um, I think Rangers have to, if Rangers want to do that, as we said before, then they have to do that another another route. And uh, if they want to, to change things, then that has to be done with the backing of other clubs. Um, we'll see how that pans out. See, I completely agree with that. I don't, I don't know how we can have a constructive relationship with the governing body going forward, which obviously, you know, is a massive exclamation mark to me. Um, David, do you fear that maybe this whole episode and Rangers kind of leading this charge against the SPFL could have negative repercussions for us down the line? Do you think that you know, kind of the scorched earth policy that we seem to have had here could actually impact on us in a negative way going forward. Um, I don't, I don't really see how how much more negative. You know, I can't see how any, any more negativity could actually come to to, to us um, in terms of governing bodies. Like, a, is it is it possible for for us to be given a, a worse deal than than the one we've currently got? I'm not, I'm not so sure. Um, it would just be quite nice to, to see an end to this in some way. Um, but I don't think the end is in sight. I think this could rumble on for a, for a long, long time. Yeah, sadly, I uh, I suspect you're right. And I don't know I don't know what the next few weeks will hold. Um, the suggestion, the kind of, I don't know, the subtext of, of a lot of the statements from Rangers or, or the communications from Rangers seem to suggest that we're not just going to let it lie where it is. And I'd be really, really surprised if we don't see something from the club over the coming weeks. I, I just feel like, you know, the, they'll probably take it a little bit further, whether that's to the SFA, to UEFA, through the courts. I don't know. Um, and I think everyone kind of knows knows my opinion uh, that if there was if there was ever a time to be pushing to move to England, it's it's surely now. Um, not least because that means a few more local games for me. Um, Absolutely, I'm all in favour of that as well. But I mean. I, I just don't see that. I just can't see how that could possibly happen. I mean, I just we'd be talking about, I suppose, starting again. At the, and you've probably had this discussion before, but, but we'd be talking about starting at the bottom of the, the, the pile again. And I don't think I don't think there would be an appetite for that again to sort of work our way up. 
through the leagues. Um, there's there's pros and cons to it. I mean, yeah. it's it, I don't know. To me, I'd rather be playing. You know, if we, you know, let's say the time we start at the bottom of the pile, I'd rather be playing Blythe Spartans than have to go and play against Mike Mulraney's Alloa ever again. You know, it's it's, it's not an easy thing. But I, can, I, I I agree in principle, but I, you know, and I think maybe five, well, maybe eight years ago, I would have, I, would, I was all for it. To be quite honest, I think if it went when war put it into the the war leagues previously, my feelings were we should have done what we could have done uh, then but I don't know now I think the issue with that as well is you know maybe maybe in Scotland when we did that you know it was only a matter of time before we get back up yeah. you know, to the Premier League there's no guarantees it could be 15, 20, 25 years before we were in the Premier League in England and I don't think that's an exaggeration you know I think in terms of finances down there you know most championship clubs will probably get bigger budgets than us um, it'd be a long long slog and you know, I just, I just don't know. I don't know if it's feasible to start, you know, in the very bottom tier. Because remember, these are hard leagues that you're going through. It's not like going and playing a part-time team, um, you know, in, in Northern Scotland. You know, this is this is this would be a lot harder. And I just think, you know, at this time, in the Z incision, maybe 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 the time to do it was um, when we went down the first time. But also, did we miss our chance at going to the Premier League? If that was that ever an option, you know, when we were when we were really at the top of our game, maybe 20, 25 years ago, you know. Oh, yeah. Maybe now's not the time for this conversation. But my my biggest best gripe, I suppose, not not my biggest gripe. There's there's obviously been worse things happened since. But with David Murray, was that we didn't have the ambition or the foresight to get into the Premier League in nineteen ninety three or whenever it was it started because that was the opportunity we were the biggest club in in Britain at that time uh, you know bigger than any other uh, club in in England and better than any other club in England at that stage we the best team the the, the, be, the biggest uh, fan base and, and best commercial operations that was the time we should have been in the, the Premier League and I think we put all our eggs in the European League basket at that time which was understandable but I don't think anyone really understood how the Premier League was going to take off, uh, but that was the that was a real missed opportunity, you know, twenty five years ago, um, and uh, you know that I don't think we would, you know if we'd gone then, and I think we would have gone on our own. I don't think necessarily Celtic who were on their, their knees at that stage would have gone as well. Um, I think we would have you know never looked back basically. But that's uh, another day. You see, that's I absolutely hear what you're both saying about the slog that it would be and, and the no guarantees. And we could be, you know, sort of banishing ourselves to a, a lifetime of obscurity in League One, very, very possibly. What I would fear is that, you know, we're talking now, we look back at 1991 and we should have gone then, and we look at 2012 and we should have gone then. Ten years' time, do we look back at 2020 and say, Christ, what a shit show that was, we should have... We should have done everything to get away from them. I don't know. Um, listen, with with five minutes to go, it's something that I've I'd be keen to discuss with you guys. It's something we've alluded to earlier this evening. Is football is kind of starting to to start itself back up again? Obviously, I've watched four German football games this weekend. It's it's been wonderful just to have some live sport back to watch. It's, it's great. Um, England with their project restart, looking at getting the, the clubs back in training and, and having safe ways of, of starting the season up again. 
Spanish teams back in training at the moment as well. It seems like there's a, a real move towards getting these leagues up and running again everywhere apart from Scotland who are going to delay this as long as possible to make it look like it was necessary to cancel the season. David, in your opinion, is it right for us to be bringing back football at a time when there's still so much uncertainty, when Germany itself seems to have eased some lockdown restrictions and, and actually be suffering from a bit of a second wave of this pandemic? When when there's still so much unknown, is it is it maybe wrong for us to be expecting footballers to go back to work? I think there's, there's probably is something in that. Um, it's, you know, it's difficult to, to really comprehend football when you look at the bigger picture of this uh, this current p- pandemic. And yeah, I mean, uh, maybe, it's, maybe it's cynical on my part, but I think a, a lot of it is um, to do with the repercussions of not restarting for all of these big leagues that have got massive um, television deals. You know, what could happen if if the season doesn't start again? And, you know, you've got to, it's a fine line between, you know, starting to bring football back to give the, the country boost or whatever it is they're, they're billing it as, and then, you know, risking, you know, the health of players, staff, media. Um, so, yeah, I mean, personally, in the current situation, yeah, it's, it's good for people to be able to watch a bit of live sport, but I mean, for me, if in terms of project restart, you know, I think I think in this country, I think we're a bit still a, a bit away from from um, from that, and you know, but I think the way the the UK government seems to be approaching things at the moment, I, I won't be surprised when when it does return, and I think there's a chance that it will return too early and it will have repercussions, and that that concerns me. I think that there's just too much going on at the moment, and football should be the last thing you know in anyone's mind. And um, yeah, that's sort of where I stand on it. Yeah, good to, good for everyone to watch a bit of live football, but you know, it's, it's certainly not the biggest thing uh, going on at the moment. You see, I I agree with with you, David. I I just think it's it's maybe too soon, and it's it's not quite right when we're all still being told to stay home and. Um, everyone's putting in such an effort to, to try and contain this thing and, and you know stay healthy to expect players on a, on a human level to go back to work in a contact sport in a physical contact environment um, it, it just doesn't seem safe and it almost seems selfish for a folk like me to be sat at home watching it um, Ian yourself you know we, we've had football come back this weekend but it looks to me that England is going to be pushing to get restarted as, as quickly as possible. If that happens, do you think that that puts pressure on the SPFL and the SFA to start up Scottish football again, rather than handing the title over to Celtic? Or do you think that Scotland will kind of continue to do its own thing in that regard? I think they'll do their own thing, to be quite honest. I think that's probably part of the reason why as you were saying earlier, why are they trying to push it through so quickly? Well, that's possibly part of the reason why, because if they see that other leagues on our doorstep are starting, then then it sort of put, does put pressure on uh, in Scotland, and maybe that's sort of pressure they don't want to take. Uh, but I mean, I, I agree that I don't. I, I, it was great. I watched the football yesterday, and it was great to see the games back. A bit weird, but. You know, I'm not, I'm not comfortable with it happening at the moment. Certainly not in the UK, and, uh, and especially in the situation in Scotland, where things are a, a few uh, weeks behind 
in terms of the general sort of easing of lockdown. I think it's even further away uh, in, in Scotland than it would be in England. So I just don't, I just don't see, I, I, I wouldn't be, in, I, I will happen in England, but I just don't uh, think it should, but uh, in the short term, and I think and the implications for Scotland are that, you know, it will be, it will be done and dusted long before that um, ever comes to be an issue. Yeah, that, that certainly seems to be the SPFL's way of approaching this. Let's get this all wrapped up before England restarts so that we don't have to have that awkward kind of that awkward scenario of England restarting but us deciding to call the season anyway. That maybe it's cynical, but that's that's how this whole thing reads I mean, to me. What what I would say is, I mean, you know, the way it's been handled in Scotland and and possibly elsewhere as well, I don't know, but the way it's been handled in Scotland is is as shambolic as you would expect but it's not you know i have i have some degree of sympathy with uh with the way all the administrators and uh, around the world have to deal with these things because you know what, what what is the right thing to do you know is it right to to call it or is it right to to try and hang on as long as you can i don't know you know it's a difficult one you know and, and you know the, the finances are important as well because you know the longer it goes on without any games the more struggles there's going to be for the clubs to survive. So, you know, it's it's not easy, but, you know, in, in typical Scottish style, then it's, it's, they've made a bit of a, a, a dog's breakfast of the whole thing, but, uh, but we've come to expect that. Yeah, they have. And, and I think they've done that because they rushed into it, personally. Um, to me, the, the most important thing is that people are safe and putting folk back into a football environment at the moment, even in the player level, because the football doesn't operate in a vacuum. You know, there's vacuum staff, there's um, physios, medics, uh, trainers, coaches, media, um, club executives, all of these people milling around. And then the players get out on the pitch and they jostle each other and they shout at each other. They're sweating, they're spitting. It, it just doesn't feel safe considering the, the environment that the world we're all living through at the moment. So for me... Great to have it back. Loved sitting down and watching it all. Um, never realised how much I cared about clubs like Freiburg and Paderborn, but still probably not quite the right thing to do. Um, listen, gents, I'm, I'm conscious that we've just tipped over the hour there, so I think it's probably about time that, that we call it a day. I want to say a, a massive thank you, of course, to Ian and to David for giving up their time this evening and, and joining us on the show. Um, it, it's incredible that despite the void of Scottish football action, there's still a lot of Scottish football stuff to talk about. So uh, very grateful for them joining me this evening. Thank you as well to everyone who's who's listened and who's chipped in with comments and questions um, and who's subscribed, who's liked the show, who's left us a comment. It, it, it really is very much appreciated. The show will be back next week. I'm sure there will be plenty more to talk about. Um, so please do join us for that same time, same place next week. That's Sunday at 9.30 on YouTube or any time after that from wherever you get your podcast from. Please do check out the website as well if you've not done so already for all the news reviews, match previews, not so many of them at the moment, as well as the, the friendly discussion forum. That's www.jersnet.co.uk. Uh, until next time, please do stay safe. Please do look after yourself. Please do look after any key workers. Um, just look after everyone and make sure that you're not doing anything silly or anything dangerous. It's, it's such an incredible time for us all. Please do stay safe wherever you can. Um, until next time thank you very very much for joining us and have a great week Ready is relentless Ready is fearless Ready is fearing no foe Ready for the next level 
Renew your season ticket now and support Rangers into season 2021. Prices are frozen for next season and the renewals deadline is extended. Visit rangers.co.uk slash renew to secure your season ticket today. Always Rangers. Always loyal.